And uh, I, I did want to make an announcement that I meant to make last Sunday as we prayed for Gary and Nancy. You gave them over $10,000 to go to Manaqua and start their church. I, I am so proud of you and your, your loving heart, your giving heart, and what a blessing. So I just thank you for being uh, just givers like God is giver. He's a giver to us. Amen. Well, today is Pentecost Sunday, and, and Pentecost is a, it should be a celebration in the church. Because it's when the Spirit of God was poured out that we might be the witnesses that God's called us to be. Amen? Well, today I want to talk to you about the power we need. The power we need. I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 1. We're going to read uh, a few verses in Acts chapter 1 beginning with verse 4. And I, I, I want to ask you to keep your Bible handy, whether it's on your phone or if you have a, an old school Bible like me, but I want you to read along with me today. The, the, the more years that I acquire, the more I realize how much I need the power of God. I realized that I needed God's power at a very young age, but the the more that I encounter things in life and go through life, the more real it is to me that I just need God's power. Amen? God's power enables me to say no when I'm tempted by the enemy. It's God's power that enables me to have a greater hunger and thirst for Him and for His Word. To have a desire to grow, to, to mature in the things of God. It's God's power that enables me to go through difficult things when wounds come and pains come and difficulty comes. It's that same power of God that enables me to go through those things. It's God's power that enables me to live in freedom. Amen? So that I don't get entangled in the things of the world. It's God's power that enables me to live free from drugs or alcohol or pornography or anger or bitterness or resentment. Anything that wants to have a hold in my life, it's the power of God that sets me free and enables me to stay free. And so I want us to look at what God's Word says about being clothed in His power and the need that we have for it. Look at uh, verse 4 in chapter 1 of the book of Acts. And being assembled together with them, this is Jesus and His followers, He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when he had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, 
It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in His own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to Me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The word power here in verse 8 is dunamis in the Greek. And it's Meaning is to be divinely enabled. In other words, it's not how God created us with our own gifts and talents and abilities, but it's beyond our human ability. It's a divine power that enables us to do what we can't do in ourselves. It's interesting that in the book of Acts, this same word is translated miracles. In, in different passages in the book of Acts. I also want us to notice in verse 4, look back with me, what Jesus says here. He said, He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Jesus didn't come in this passage and say, Hey guys, I think this would be really good for you. You might want to think about it. You might want to to stay in Jerusalem until you receive power. He didn't say that. He didn't come and say, this is a a suggestion. I just thought you might want to ponder it and think about it. And and maybe you'll want to do this. It, it, It might help you a little bit. What does the word says? It says he commanded them to go and wait in Jerusalem until the power of God, the promise of the Father, clothed them in that power that they can be the witnesses that God had called them to be. Church, we will never be able to be the witnesses God calls us to be without his divine power. Why? Because our flesh is weak. Amen? Am I the only one the flesh is weak? You put a big Krispy Kreme donut in front of me and I give in. You put a big bowl of Rocky Road and I give in. Flesh is weak. It's weak and we're we're subject to fall and stumble and make mistakes. But church, God says, I want you to wait until the power of God, the Holy Spirit, clothes you so that you can have the power you need to say no to the things that are going to bring destruction in your life. Amen? I want that power because I know that the enemy has tricks and traps and deception that if I'm not careful, I can fall into that, I can make mistakes, and it will not only hurt me, but it will hurt those that I love. And so I say, Lord, I need your divine power to be the witness you've called me to be. None of us can be the witness that God wants us to be for Him, and that's what this is about. It's about power to be a witness. It's about a a witness is evidence for the case. Jesus wants us to be evidence for the case of Christ. That when people look at our lives, they will say, 
wow, there's something different about that person. That person doesn't get caught up in sin. That person doesn't get caught up in the things that destroy their life. That person has a peace from God. That person has the power of God. They love God. Their life is different so that they will want to know what it is you have. Amen? Now, how many want to do that? Then we need to ask God to clothe us in that power. Amen? I want us to look at a a verse that talks specifically about that. Jesus said in Luke chapter 24, verse 49. Luke 24, 49. He said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. That's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem. There he's saying the same thing that we just read in Acts chapter 1. Until you are endued with power from on high. Now the word endued is important for us to understand. Because in the original language, the word there means to be clothed with. It's like God taking a a robe and wrapping us up in that robe so that we can be seen as witnesses for Him. Now some people think that that the disciples needed this because they hadn't received the Holy Spirit. So I want to take you to another verse. They think that we don't need to ask for this because we simply receive the Holy Spirit when we're saved. Look at John chapter 20, verse 21 and 22. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now again, the original language is important here because the word receive in the original language means to receive immediately or right now. So does that make a difference? Yes, because some people read this verse and they think Jesus was foreshadowing what was going to happen on the day of Pentecost. But he wasn't. According to the scripture, they received the Holy Spirit when he breathed on them. But they were not clothed in the power of the Holy Spirit until Acts chapter 2 verse 4. And that's what I want us to see. In Acts 2, 4, it says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And the word filled here is also an interesting word because it means satiated or or supplied to excess. Now think about that. So when we're clothed with the Spirit, we're empowered, we're receiving a supply or was satiated, filled to excess with the Holy Spirit of God's presence and power to be the witness that God's called us to be. How many like that idea? Amen? And that's what Jesus was telling them. Now think about this. Put yourself in their position. 
They had seen the resurrected Lord and Savior. They had seen Jesus alive. They had heard Him teach. They had seen the, the nail scars in His hands and His feet and in His side. They saw the evidence. It was resurrected Jesus. They knew that He was the Messiah. That there had to be an anticipation and excitement. They wanted to go tell the world. <coughs> Excuse me. They wanted to tell the world, Jesus is alive. He is the Messiah. He's the Savior of the world. He's the Lamb of God. They, there had to be an excitement in their hearts. And, but Jesus says, no, I don't want you to go and build the kingdom yet until you're equipped with power. In church, too many times we try to go about the business of God just in our own strength and our own ability and not say, Lord, I need more. And as a young man, I learned very quickly that I needed more. That I wanted all that Jesus had for me. I wanted His presence and His power and His glory. I wanted to be a witness for Him that when people encountered me, they would encounter Jesus. That they would know that I'm born again. That I've been radically saved by His grace. And that I love them because Jesus is living in me. Now in Acts chapter 2 verse 4 it says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I, I just want to make a quick note there. The focus isn't on speaking in another language. And there's been controversy about tongues in the church. But one thing I know definitely is that God didn't give that sign for it to be controversial. God could have chosen many other signs, but He chose that one. Now, I don't have an in-depth revelation as to why exactly God chose that, but I do have an inclination, and that's found in James chapter 3. Because in James chapter 3, it says in verse 2, If anyone does not stumble in word, he is perfect, meaning mature, able also to bridle the whole body. In verse 3, it says, We put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. In verse 6 it says, The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets us on fire, the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. Ouch. In verse 8 it says, But no man can tame the tongue. It is a, an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men. So I believe that God chose this sign because it is an indication that we have been filled or satiated with the presence of the Holy Spirit and when God gives us the words to speak and we speak in a miracle language, guess what? It's evident that we are mature in God and we're growing and God is enabling us not only to rule our tongues but His power enables us to rule the whole body. And church, we need that. We need that. 
I want you to look at what happened in this day. There were people, Jewish people, gathered from all over, from other nations. And they grew up in these other nations even though they were of Jewish descent. They were coming to Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks to celebrate the harvest. That's what it was about, the harvest. And guess what? When God poured His Spirit out on the church, many scholars say that's when the church was birthed, but we know it was the beginning of a great harvest of souls. Peter preaches, and what happens? 3,000 people say yes to Jesus and join the church. So as we celebrate Pentecost today, church, we're celebrating the harvest that is still yet to come. In Acts chapter 2, verse 5, it says, And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together, and they were confused, because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? And notice it says here that the multitude came together. Why were they amazed? Because they knew these were Galileans. They weren't well educated. They were not multilingual people normally. And yet they hear them all speaking distinct languages and it draws them together. Why were they drawn together? Because they, they were seeing a manifestation of what God was doing and hearing it. And they were brought together, church, so that Peter could preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and 3,000 souls would get saved. Look at verse 11 in Acts 2. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? It, there was a miracle taking place that drew them together and their hearts were pierced. That's what our nation needs today. They need the Word of God to pierce their hearts and come to the realization that they need to get right with God. That's what took place. And it gave Peter an opportunity to preach. And in this message, listen to what Peter says in verse 32 of Acts chapter 2. This Jesus God has raised up of which we were all witnesses. He's, he's, he's saying, we're all witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He, Jesus, poured out this which you now see and hear. He's saying this is from Jesus. Church, you never have to be fearful when you're asking God for the Holy Spirit to be poured out in your life. Jesus is the baptizer. Jesus is the one who pours it out. Some people I know may have encountered someone that was doing something bizarre or weird and they get all upset and say, well, I don't want that. If... Church, you don't have to worry about asking Jesus. You don't have to worry about what He's going to give you. Amen? 
In verse 37, the crowd responds. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Church, that's my prayer, that there would be such a presence of God in our church, in our lives, that when people come around us, that they would be cut to the heart. Smith Wigglesworth, one of the autobiographies written about him, says that he was riding on a train one time, and that was back when the, the seats faced one another, and there was a man directly across from him on the train. And as they went on their journey, before they arrived to their destination, the man looks at him and says, Sir, you convict me of my sin. He never said a word, but he was satiated with the presence of the Holy Spirit. I want that. When I walk through the stores, when I go to Target, when I go to Wally World, when I go to Dairy Queen, wherever I go, Lord, I want to have so much of Jesus that the world around me is convicted and wants to know how to get right with God. Peter told them, and look at verse 38 in Acts chapter 2. Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. He's saying you need to accept Jesus, you need to repent of your sin, invite Him into your life, and then be baptized in water. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Some people will, will tell you and teach that the power of the Holy Spirit is not for today. They will tell you that God doesn't do miracles, that God doesn't heal any longer, that that was just for the beginning. That was just for the, the church in the book of Acts. Peter makes it very clear in this passage, not only is salvation for every generation that's called by God, but also that the power of the Holy Spirit is for every generation as well. And church, I'm thankful for that. I pray all the time, Lord, I pray for the same anointing of your Spirit that was upon Peter. Lord, when he walked down the street and his shadow was cast on people and people were healed. Lord, I pray for the same anointing that was on Apostle Paul when they took the sweat rags out of his shop and they took them to people and people were healed. I want to be satiated with the presence and the power of the true and the living God so that people will know I'm not just mouthing words, but I'm a witness for what Jesus Christ does in a heart that surrendered to him. Church, we need to have that heart. In the book of Acts, there are at least four other additional accounts that we see where people were filled with the Holy Spirit or baptized in the Spirit or clothed in the Spirit. And we don't have time to go through all of those today, but I want to look at one example. Turn with me to Acts chapter 8. It's the, the, the story of Philip coming to Samaria. Acts chapter 8, verse 12. 
But when they believed Philip as he had preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Notice, they believed the gospel message. Both men and women were baptized. That's baptized in water. Then Simon himself also believed. This is Simon the sorcerer. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. When the Samaritans believed the good news, they received salvation. They received the Holy Spirit's presence in their lives. Look at Romans chapter 10 verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now these new believers were then baptized in water as a sign of their Christian faith. Yet we see in verse 14 of Acts chapter 8, look at this. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's water baptism. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to clarify, this wasn't They were saved and then they didn't have the Holy Spirit. We need to look at a few other verses, okay? First first of all, I want us to see this. John and Peter were sent, and it was approximately 35 miles from Jerusalem to Samaria. It would have taken at least a day, probably more like two days, for this journey. So these people had received the good news of Jesus Christ. They had received Christ, they were born again, they were baptized in water, but the leadership said they need something more. They sent John and Peter to go pray for them that they might be clothed in that Holy Spirit power. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. No one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Church, if you declare that Jesus is Lord of your life, that He is Lord of all, we're able to do that because of the inworking and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit. It says that we're sanctified in the spirit. What does sanctified mean? Sanctified means we're set apart. We were in the kingdom of darkness. God says, no longer. You believe in me. You've repented of your sins. Now you are in the kingdom of light of God's dear son. We're sanctified. We're set apart. But sanctification is also a continuing process in our lives where we submit and yield to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus. Lord, help me mature. Help me to grow. Lord, just cleanse my life of all the junk. Lord, just a constant work of your Spirit in my life sanctifying me. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, 
It says, In Him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So there's an indwelling of the Holy Spirit that comes when we repent and believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and that He is Lord and we welcome Him into our life. And it says that the Holy Spirit seals us. Now, I don't have a tattoo from God that says sealed. But in the spiritual realm, there is a seal on my life and the devil knows it that I belong to God. That I have given my life to Him. And there is a seal of the Holy Spirit upon me and you. However, we are not clothed in the power. And I want to read Luke chapter 11, verse 13. Until we ask the Father. Let's just jump over there. Look, look at Luke chapter 13. This is important. Luke chapter 11. Let's begin with verse 9. We're going to end with verse 11. Or 13. Jesus is speaking, okay? He says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened for you or to you. For everyone who asks receives. Did you hear that? Everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened if a son asks for bread from any father among you will he give him a stone or if he asks for a fish will he give him a serpent instead of a fish or if he asks for an egg will he offer him a scorpion if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your heavenly Father give, listen to this, the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So when we repent and we come and invite Jesus into our lives, we experience new birth. We experience the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But if we want to be empowered to be the witness, we have to ask. And you say, well, pastor, how do you know that's talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit and not getting saved and receiving the indwelling? Well, I'll tell you why. Let's look at a couple of things. First of all, Jesus called God in this passage your heavenly Father. So they were already believers. They were already born again. Look at John 14 and verse 17. It says, The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Did you hear that? The world cannot receive the Spirit of truth because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. So, Jesus wasn't talking to the world here. He was talking to those that already know the Heavenly Father as their Heavenly Father. They're part of God's family. 
So he's telling them, if you ask for the Father to give you the satiating presence of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, to be clothed in his power and his presence, he says, you ain't going to receive anything but the Holy Spirit. I've had people come to me and say, well, pastor, I'm just kind of worried that the devil will get in there. That I'll get tricked by the devil. There's your assurance right there. If you're asking God for what is genuine, what is real, what is His gift of the Holy Spirit, you don't have to worry. He will not give you anything except the genuine presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Finally, I want us to look back at Acts chapter 8, verse 17 through 19. And I'm going to close here in just a minute. When they laid hands on them, this is Peter and John, and they received the Holy Spirit. A church, we already laid a strong foundation that they had received salvation. They were born again. They received that power of the Holy Spirit. It says, and when, they, and when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I, <clears throat> excuse me, I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Now note that Simon saw something that was so amazing to him that he wanted to buy that power. Now in this case, it doesn't tell us exactly what he saw. But in the other cases in the book of Acts, there were two things, and we read one of them earlier in Acts chapter 2. The people began to speak with tongues, and they prophesied. Here... It's one of the few places it doesn't say that that took place in their lives. But something happened so powerful, so amazing to those people when they received the Holy Spirit and Peter and John prayed for them that Simon the sorcerer said, I want that power. Here. <laughs> I want to give you money. Just give me that power. And we know that that was wrong. We know that Peter rebuked him. But church, I want us to see that. There was typically following the manifestation, a manifestation of the Holy Spirit in lives. Your life will not be the same when you're enclosed in the power of the Holy Spirit. There will be evidence in your life. Amen? You will not be the same anymore. You will not be as weak and and able to succumb to the things of the flesh so easily. You will be strengthened. You will be empowered. You'll be able to say no to the things Satan lays in front of you trying to trap you. You will have discernment and wisdom and understanding. The Holy Spirit just comes alongside us in so many ways. Last week we talked about the revelation of the Spirit of God when He shows us the victory of the cross. Amen? 
There's a, I'll tell you one thing the Holy Spirit does. He gives you a fire. He gives you a passion. People many times are turned off because I'm passionate and I'm loud. And, and they come and they think I'm trying to yell at them. Church, I'm never trying to yell at you. I love you. But I'm like a coach that sees your potential. Amen? And I say, Pastor Harry, I see your potential. God loves you. He's got great things for you. And I want to stir up the gifts of God in your life. I want you to fulfill. I want you to be clothed in that power. I want you to go and minister to people in not your ability, but God's ability. That's why I'm passionate. Because it's the Holy Spirit in me stirring my heart. And church, we just read in the Word where it said that everyone that asks receives. And I want to ask you right now, do you ask God for His Holy Spirit? I never stop asking, church. Just because I experience a manifestation and I know that the Holy Spirit's in my life. Paul said, I don't come to you with words of eloquence or wisdom, but I come in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power. And church, that's my constant prayer because I know Milt was a boy in school who sat at the back of the class who wanted to just blend into the wall, that never wanted to be in front of people, that never wanted the teacher to call upon him, that never wanted to stand in front of the class and have to give a report or to say anything. I was quiet. I was bashful. I just wanted to be left alone and do my work and get out of school and go play basketball. But God called me one day. He called me when I was a businessman and I was making good money. He called me at my grandfather's funeral and he said, today all this is changing. And he said, not one of your grandfather's sons or grandsons or granddaughters or daughters had followed him into the ministry. But today that's changing and I'm calling you. And I said, God, I can't. You know me, I'm shy. In fact, when I shared that with my mother, that's exactly what she said. Oh, son, you don't have the personality to be a preacher. <laughs> and she was right. I was quiet. I didn't want to talk. I just want to be left alone. But now, every opportunity I have, I want to share Jesus. I want people to know that He will enable you and empower you and equip you to be the witness He wants you to be. And I'm not perfect by any means, and I'm still crying out to Him saying, Lord, enclothe me in a greater presence of God. Enclothe me, Lord, in, in, in power that is able to have greater wisdom and understanding in Your Word to minister Your love and Your life to people. Lord, I want more. Church, until the day I go to be with Jesus, my heart's cry is going to be, Lord, I want more. I want more. 
And church, we need to have that heart cry. Our nation needs the church to be empowered. We need the church to rise up. In that day, 3,000 people came to Jesus in one message from Peter. It wasn't because Peter was a great orator, a great person. We know that. He denied Christ three times to a little girl. He was intimidated by a little girl. He was intimidated by a little girl. Now he stands in front of those thousands of people, the same ones that cried, crucified Jesus. And he says, you know he was resurrected. Now he's at the right hand of God the Father. And they were cut to the heart. And he tells them, you need to repent and you need to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I want the worship team to come. I've encountered people through the years that would say, Pastor, I, I don't really feel like God's clothed me in His power. And I ask one time, Sometimes there's things in our lives that are hindering what God wants to do. And I just want to challenge you, never stop, stop asking Jesus for more. Amen? We're living in a time when our world needs to see Jesus. Many of them will never open the Bible. They will never enter into a church they need to see Jesus in you as a witness of the power and the presence of God and what He does in a life that's surrendered to Him. So I want to challenge you today. I, I don't know where any of you stand. God knows your heart. I don't. But as your coach today, I'm cheering you on. I'm cheering you towards the the goal of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. To run that race and to finish strong. I was with a pastor this week and he's 72 years old. He's pastored the same church for 35 years. And that's amazing to me. And he was saying, I'm torn. He said, there's part of me that wants to kind of retire. There's part of me that doesn't. And he was talking about things he wanted to do in the church to reach young people and to reach young families and just to reach his community. And, and it just excited my heart that at 72, when many people would love to retire and, 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 you know, forget about all the troubles. And believe me, pastor in a church, you have some troubles too. But he's finishing strong. He wants to finish strong. And that's my prayer. No matter what God does in my life and where he takes me, I want to finish strong. How about you, Pastor Harry? Are you with me? 
I want you to stand with me. And I'm going to ask our prayer team to some of you gather at the front if you would and some of you around the back of the auditorium. And I'm thankful for our, our wonderful prayer team today. And we're here to pray for whatever needs you have. Because God hears and He answers our prayer. But specifically today, if you don't know the Lord as your Savior, I want to invite you to come and to pray with one of these prayer team members and invite Jesus into your life. And if you're here today and you realize I'm struggling in my walk with Jesus and I need power that's beyond myself, beyond my ability. I need the power of God's Holy Spirit just clothing me and strengthening me, giving me wisdom and guidance and direction. I need the infilling, the satiation of the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. I want to be supplied in excess. In excess. If that's your prayer, I want you to find one of the prayer team members today because we want to pray with you. I'm going to ask the worship team just to lead us in a chorus for just a few minutes as we pray. Will you step out? Will you come? If you're watching online today, I want you just to open your heart to the Lord, to welcome Him, to be your Savior, to be your Lord. And if you have a prayer need, we want to pray with you today too. Mitch, would you lead us? You said if we would pray 